Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. Hello, welcome Sober Exposure. I'm Jennifer Wilde, and I love when I just meet regular everyday people that have a worse using picture than me. That's why I invite you on the show. Your before and afters, Ella, are crazy, okay? So, okay, I invited Ella on the show, and I met Ella um, on social media, and sometimes it's kind of weird to say, like, I invited her on my show because I met her on TikTok, but everybody's becoming... I mean, that's the new way, you know, I, I used to go to bars and meet people. Now I go on TikTok and pick up women, you know, <laughs> but I was just really compelled because there's so many things that you talk about. I mean, there's so many recovery channels and pages and people and da, da, da. Um, but what drew me to you was that like, you are not afraid. You're like me. You're not afraid to say, fuck you, shut up. Um, mm-hmm. what, what caught my attention is because people are so judgmental about the way you recover, you know, like AA meditation, not a da, 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 da. And you were just like, just shut up, mm. just get sober and don't die. Right. You know, Absolutely. it's like, yeah. so tell us about yourself. Tell us how, you know, uh, your past a little bit, your experience, strength and hope, and then we'll get into all that. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And it's lovely to meet you. And I love what you do as well. You know, it's, um, recovering out loud I think it I think it is important you know because um I needed to I needed to see people get well to believe it was even possible um and it and it's by seeing people recover out loud you know it gave me that that hope because when I was in active addiction especially towards the end I was hopeless you know I really didn't believe recovery was possible um and yeah it's taken me it's not my first rodeo you know, relapse, relapse is a big part of my journey and I've had multiple rock bottoms, um, you know, and each time I didn't think it would get any worse. It turns out rock bottoms got a trap door and I just kept falling through it. Um, to, to tell you a little bit about myself, um, you know, so it, it's a long story and I'll, I'll try and keep it kind of short. <laughs> <but>, <laughs> Um, so I was, I was brought up in East London, um, and I was brought up to, in a, in a happy, loving family, you know, um, there's no history of alcoholism or addiction in my family. So I can't, I can't even really blame it on that, but, um, yeah, I had a really, really happy childhood, um, where I lived, it was quite a rough area and there was a lot of knife crime. Um, and I was at school one day. I was I was halfway through. We call it secondary school in the UK. Um, I was I was just at the sort of beginning of secondary school, and um, I was in the playground one day, and somebody pulled a knife out on me, and it it terrified me. You know, I was a I was a child, and I went home, and instead of telling my parents about it, I kept it in, and for a few days I. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't sleeping. I was, I was um, making all all kinds of excuses not to go to school. And then 
like all of a sudden I, I told my mum and dad and it freaked them out and and before I knew it within days our whole house was being packed up and we moved <laughs> we moved like miles and miles away I, well it was like a two-hour drive from from London but it was it was in the countryside and I I was brought up in East London and it I just didn't I didn't fit in basically I was bullied at my new school um and I think that was kind of like my first ever experience of depression you know I was a before that I was a really happy child I was popular at school you know I was into music and and drama and stuff like that and I had like you know everything going for me but when we moved it was like my whole life had just turned upside down and I didn't know how to deal with it and and I went to I started my new school and I was bullied really badly um I would go to the dinner hall I would get my food and I would take it to the toilets and eat it in the cubicle because I couldn't I know (laughs) I couldn't face the dinner hall you know um and at that age I think 13 it's when you really start you know, you, you start going out with your friends and you start you start doing things. And and for me, it was like, you know, like we've just had lockdown. I experienced that as a child, you know. Um, and eventually I kind of got in with the wrong crowd. And that's where I think I had my first drink. My very first drink, I was 13 years old. I drank to blackout, you know, mm-hmm. my first drink. It was like straight away drank to blackout. Um, and that happened pretty much every time after that. But, you know, when I found alcohol, I could be funny and I could be confident and, and stuff like that. So I kind of hung on to that. And as much as, you know, I was always the one passing out, I was always the one being sick and, you know, it wasn't it wasn't attractive. But I liked what it did for me when I started when I start when I had that drink, you know, it gave me the confidence. Um, and yeah, liquid that was, courage, we call it yeah. <laughs> liquid courage. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So kind of as I went through school, when I left school, um, I'm a I'm a musician, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, yes, I know. And I grew up going to um, my dad's gigs. He used to play all over London and stuff like that. So it was kind of just bred into me to perform and to and to play. So when I left school. I started doing my own gigs and it didn't take long um, for my uh, my good old friend cocaine to mm-hmm. to be introduced to me um, in all honesty and I don't like glamorizing it you know it's um, it, it took me to a terrible place but the first time I tried it I loved it and one of the reasons for that was because it, it helped me drink more it yeah. helped me stand up straight you know, and, and it gave me that extra confidence. And when I was up on stage, you know, it was, to me at the time, it was really attractive, but it was over the years, it it was the consequences, you know, I would, I, I didn't believe that I had a problem because I was still working and, you know, I was still paying bills and stuff like that. But as the years went on, that changed. Um, and, I was in toxic relationships, violent relationships. Um, and even even that, you know, recovery is a healing process. I'm having therapy for for that, you know, that particular relationship now. 
but it's great because I, I just think, you know, recovery has really helped me um, to, to find myself and to, and to understand who I am and, and why things went so, so wrong. But as you mentioned that picture, yeah, 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 that was, that was a really, really dark time, you know, in the end, um, like I mentioned, my good friend, alcohol and, and cocaine, they, they humiliated me. They took mm-hmm. everything from me. Um, I lost my, I lost the jobs. I lost the driver's license. I lost friends, you know, I lost trust, all of that. And, and I ended up homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had, I had two stints in rehab. Um, you know, I was arrested multiple times and, and yeah, I just, I had no control over it. And I think, I think the thing about addiction is there is such a stigma to it because it does start with a choice. You know, I made the choice to pick up that first drink. I made the choice to pick up that first drug. It was a poorly judged choice, but there's, there's so much more to it than that. I'm sure you, you understand that yourself. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I get why, why people, you know, think, oh, you know, it's self-inflicted. You did it to yourself, but we all make mistakes in life and we all do things to, to cope with what we've been through everybody's been through something everybody and people don't freak out on people that go to the refrigerator and overeat they don't look at that as a moral issue it's just like that's really bad behavior and it's not healthy and you know but they don't they don't judge them morally you know Uh and um, there is such a fine line, but I, I get so mad about how, how addiction is stigmatized and depression and mental illness, mm. you know, like I was just talking about this in uh, my last week's podcast. Like I can't, I, I struggle with severe depression and I can't call in work and say, Oh, you know what? My, my depression's flaring up, you know, but if I had diabetes or if I was, ha- if I, God forbid, God forbid, if I had, you know, a cancer diagnosis and I was like, I, you know, I, I can't go to work today. I'm having a bad day with my chemo, but you know, mm. that just shows we have not come, we've come, we've come a little bit, but we have not come far enough when it comes to destigmatizing um, depression and mental illness and alcoholism and drug addiction period. So mm. tell me, take me to that, that this infamous picture you can go to um, Ella's TikTok and I'm going to put it up here to the picture. Yeah. So you just, because you can see what a freaking cleaned up, beautiful woman she is. And um, I have some bad pictures too. And I give you, you got some balls. Cause like I put one up when I was, when I overdosed in the hospital, but there's some pictures that I'm not ready yet to put up. I'm not, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, like, yeah. Um, but to take me to that, that day. So um, that we're in the was- hospital, I think. Yeah, so that was, um, I think it was around March or just uh, March, April 2020. So I went to, I, I went to my second stint in rehab in December 2019, and I did 38 days um, in rehab. And <clears throat> when I came out, I, you know, I, I was confident and I was positive and I was like yes I've got it this time and I went to a 12-step um treatment center and they were like when you come out like if you can do 90 and 90 um 90 meters in 90 days 
mm-hmm. um, get yourself a sponsor, go through the steps. And I was like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. They said, whatever you do, do not isolate. You know, this, this disease, it wants you on your own. Get out there and make connections. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. This was just before we knew anything about COVID, right? So I was, I was going to meetings and I was keeping my eyes peeled and ears open for a sponsor. And um, all of a sudden, the, although the treatment centre was telling us not to isolate, the news started telling us to isolate. <laughs> oh, and I was me. like, what? What am I going to do? And, and, you know, I didn't... I, I didn't work quick enough. I didn't get that sponsor. And and I, and I, in all honesty, looking back now, I still wasn't really there. I wasn't really there. I hadn't lost enough. You know, some some people need to lose everything in order in order to to do this stuff. And and luckily, some some don't. Some people get it straight away. But that just wasn't my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we went, we went into lockdown and I thought, right, I, I'll be okay. You know, I'm with my family. I'll just, I'll be all right. And Zoom hadn't really picked up yet. And I, me, full of ego, didn't, didn't really like Zoom, didn't want to do Zoom meetings. I'll be fine. So I stopped, stopped doing anything. And uh, yeah, sure enough, the head, you know, the, they call it stinking thinking. Um, that started again. And before I knew it, I was using again in secret. And it was it was horrible because my family, they were patting me on the back, you know, telling me how proud they were of me. They didn't know that I was still using in secret. And um, it's the worst. Yeah. And and things just got really bad. Really. You know what the worst thing about hiding uh, your your use is, is that you can't get as fucked up as you really want to (laughs) get. Yeah, Only another addict could could get that. It's like yeah. when you're controlling your use, it really sucks because you're like, I can't do what I want to do. It's like when you're having sex and just about to have the orgasm and you stop. You know, it's like <laughs> anyway. Sorry. <laughs> that's actually that's actually bang on. That's bang on. That's a, that's a good description. Um, yeah. But thinking about the way I drank and used, you know, it was especially like the the, the last sort of few years. They weren't enjoyable at all. They weren't enjoyable at all. I mean, I think the longest I ever went, you know, I don't know like what your experience is, but I couldn't sleep when I was using. I couldn't eat when I was using. I had no appetite. And I think the longest I ever went, I was in my room on my own. Um, I, I lived in my own place at the time. And, um, you know, I was stuck in this bedroom and I drank and used for eight days straight without sleep, without food without washing you know sitting in my room like thinking that there's people on the roof like on my roof and stuff I saw faces float through the walls I used to think there were spiders crawling on me it was terrifying absolutely terrifying but I could not stop I used to pray pray not to wake up in the morning every single night and then every morning I woke up I would swear that I was not going to do it again you know and at that moment in time I could have taken a lie detector test and passed it because when I said it I meant it fast forward a few hours I was right back there doing it all over again you know it's um it's it's like baffling and powerful yeah absolutely you know um but yeah going back to that time 
um, eventually I was found out and um, I couldn't pay my bills and I didn't have a job and I was just getting like I was I was my behavior and my attitude towards my family you know they just couldn't take it anymore um, and they uh, they kicked me out mm. and I was it was lockdown you know and I remember leaving my house and I had my my pathetic little bag packed and I was like oh my god where am I going to go no one no one was going to take me in because you know Covid was new and people were taking it really seriously um I ended up getting hold of some some pills and I went to the the park where I live and I sat on the park bench and I, I downed this bottle of wine and all of these pills and the next thing I knew it was probably about two weeks later I woke up on a psychiatric ward now I don't know what happened to me in those two weeks but I I saw myself in the mirror for the first time and I just, you know my head was shaved I don't even know how that happened I cannot you tell don't you, you don't I was it can't tell you how that happened and I had the bruises all over my face and you know I was completely just I just I just I was insane basically um do you know what the pills were? Were they street pills? Were they prescription? Did you get them out? Like here in the, in the U.S., you could you could you could get Xanax. You can get pills on the street, but they're bootlegs. So a lot of times you think you're getting Xanax and you have no idea what the hell you're getting. These were actually prescription, and I know how I got them. I phoned my doctor from a payphone. I asked for some change because I'm I'm homeless. I've got no money, and I asked someone for some change, and I phoned my doctor. And this is you know typical addict behavior. We lie. We tell lies and we do. <laughs> <laughs> and I phoned my doctor and I gave them some, you know, tale of how I'm in recovery and I'm and I'm struggling with lockdown and I need something to take the edge off. And for some reason he prescribed me a shit ton of diazepam. And what a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> diazepam Xanax. That's Xanax. I think so. I think it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and obviously with that and the, the alcohol, I just went into, I obviously blacked out and I don't know. Let's give an addict some Xanax. Yeah. Sure. That's brilliant. Uh, and then mix it with alcohol. Mm. That's I a deadly, deadly combination, by the way. I know, I know several people that have died that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's terrible, you know, but I needed that. I needed that rock bottom. I needed to lose everything. I needed to wake up and see myself like that um, because I remember the doctor saying to me, I mean, I, I think you work in, in pounds there, but um, so I weighed six and a half stone. I don't know what that is in pounds, but for me, like it's skinny. Yeah. Um, and the doctor said, like, you've, you don't realize how close you are. You know, your organs are shutting down. You're, yeah. you've got about a month. And to be honest, the thought of dying it didn't really scare me because I, I'd been trying actively to end my life you know because I just didn't I didn't have any hope I didn't see any way out so in the end I just thought you know what you've got two choices Ella you can you can die a lonely slow alcoholic death or you can really do this stuff I've I'd had my experience with um you know the 12 step program and and I and somebody sent. I was in a psychiatric ward, by the way. I don't know if I told you that. Mm -hmm. Someone from the fellowship sent me a mobile phone because I didn't have a phone. And from the 
from the hospital, I started logging on to Zoom meetings and I was doing probably six or seven Zoom meetings a day. You know, I, I threw myself into it. I found my sponsor and I just said to her, I'm done. I'm done. Like, this is it. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, help me. And she said to me, are you willing to go to any events to get well? And I said, absolutely. And, and, and it was from that moment, you know, um, by, the, by the grace of my higher power, that I'm 20 months and a bit sober today. Wow. And that is just, for me, like a miracle. You know, when I think back to, to how life was 20 months ago and, and the person I was 20 months ago, it's night and day, you know, night and day. So you you got sober through the 12 steps. I got sober through the 12 steps. But yeah, so, you know, I know so many people that have, have got clean and sober through other methods, through different methods. And who am I to judge them? You know, I fully support any any form of recovery. If someone is changing their life and it's working, you know, good for them. They deserve to be applauded because addiction and alcoholism is such a such a horrible illness you know it really mm. is and and it doesn't matter whether you go for a 12-step program or I know people that have got clean and sober just by using TikTok <laughs> you know yeah, I know I We'll see how long they say. No, I'm, I'm sorry. We'll see how long yeah. they say. So, but, you know, like, I mean, I, I, it is a great support system. It is. It's a good support system. It is. And all the power to you. Yeah. Um, I, I have my, for, for me, it doesn't so much work because I'm telling you, like, it's a freaking social media took me out. I got so freaked out because I wanted to be like such the freaking influencer and the number one podcast and all that. And I got so caught up in all that bullshit that I forgot why I was doing it. And it was, yeah. you know, to yeah. spread the message, yeah. um, you know, and to help another alcoholic stay sober. Yeah. And so I got so crazy. I ended up relapsing. Wow. You know? yeah. yeah. Cause I stopped work. You know, it's all, it's almost like, I, I could tell you so many people that work in the field. Um, mm -hmm. I worked at a treatment center and one of my, my dearest, dearest, closest friends is a psychotherapist. Um, she had 18 years sober and all she was doing was working, you know, she was just like, okay, so if I'm helping someone else stay sober, it's helping me, but she wasn't taking care of herself. Do uh -huh. you know what I mean? She was looking yeah. at, you know, um, I, I helped this person stay sober today, but she didn't do it because she went to a meeting and reached her hand out and just did it for nothing. She was getting paid for it. Right. So, you know, she, she ended up using again. And yeah, I, I do believe that there's other methods there, you know, to each his own and I'm not one to judge and I've struggled yeah. with it. I have a love hate relationship with Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Okay. I, have a love, I, I have a love hate relationship with it. I really deep, deep, deep in my soul know that for me, it's really probably the only way that I'm really going to find 100% abstinence. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but that that's for me, you know, yeah. um, and I've, and, I've had my struggles. Yeah. And, and I mean, for me, like I said, the, the only thing that worked for me as an individual is the 12 step program. Um, and, and, and for what it's done for me, you know, recovery is an inside job, isn't it? You have to, you have to start at that, at that, you know, that the first step, you know, just admitting that you're powerless and you can't do it on your own, you know, and I know a lot of people that struggle with, 
they get to step free and they go because you know that they're not I'm not religious I don't believe for me it's not it's not a religious program it's a it's a spiritual program and for what it's what it's done for me um you know I I never anticipated never anticipated how, how my life would change um but yeah I mean each to their own you know and I've I've had moments on TikTok and social media where my ego takes over and I go and yeah. I feel a bit crazy. So there's is having that balance, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what does your life look like today? Tell us tell us what your life looks like today. I know that you have some music coming out, and I would love to hear some of it too. But where where what's Ella's life? What what is your like? What is what does your life look like today? My life. How have things changed? Yeah. Well, there's there's no drama in my life. Um, I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying that there's not the possibility of future drama, but but right now, I have peace of mind, you know. Um, and I'm I'm very much involved in in um, recovery and spreading the message and stuff like that. Um, I got signed to a record label in in recovery. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, and, that's amazing. Yeah, but even that—that's all part. That's all been part of the journey because they're—they're they're a UK-based record label that support musicians in recovery. So, not only—I mean, there, there was a point, you know, when you when you first recover and you think, "Oh my God, I'm never going to have fun again. I'm never going to be able to socialize. I'm never going to be able to do this." Well, I thought I was never going to be able to play music again because most music events, they're—you know there's alcohol involved and stuff like that yeah. and but what these guys have done I've written a lot of songs about my about my journey and I've, I've got this EP coming out um about Easter time uh this year and yeah most of the songs I've, I've written through experience and when I uh, I'm able to go and play at these sober events and it, it's just amazing you know it's really opened up so much um I'm starting a job very soon at the treatment center that I went to as well oh, you know? isn't that amazing that you you oh god you're, it's gonna be so surreal for you because when I worked in treatment it was like literally I had to pinch myself I'd be like the clients would come in and I'd be going through their luggage I'd be yeah. like I'm doing a luggage check on them what <laughs> yeah. you know and uh, like I had to, I, I couldn't work. I couldn't work there, but you know why? Because I was just too nice. Cause I've been in treatment so many times. Ella, like I was, I, I still saw myself as a client, you know what right. I mean? And I would just let them get away with murder because I would remember when I was in that situation, I couldn't say no, I couldn't. It's the same problem I have in life with everything. That's why I don't have a dog that's trained. Cause I'm too, I don't know how to train my dog. I, I have a kid that has undisciplined and the whole treatment center, they were going crazy. Cause I didn't know how to say no. Like, Oh, can I use the phone? I'd be like, no, I don't see anything. No, like I was the worst. So don't do that. So I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> It's just so hard because it's so close to home, you know, yeah. but it, it was a really wonderful experience. And I, I'm very glad that I did that. Um, so I want to hear this is this is a sober exposure world premiere exclusive with your music. Let's hear something. We're all about music here. We have musicians on all the time. And I mean, I kind of because I was a I was a rock radio personality for 25 years here in the U.S., so music is my background. Music is my life. That's what I've done. My entire, my whole world revolves around music and I can't play one note. So I envy musicians. 
So I'm just going to sit here in awe and be your groupie okay. and tell us about this song. Yeah. So this song, I'm just tuning up, by the way, because uh, I've put new strings on recently and it, um, it slips. <laughs> this song, um, this will be on my, my EP. And it's actually called Recovery. Awesome. And I wrote this when, when I first came out of um, treatment. And I was on that pink cloud, you know? Yes. They call it the pink cloud. Right. I know that pink cloud too well. Yeah. But do you know what? The, for me, I seem to, I, I have periods on the pink cloud. Then I, then I drop off of it for a little while and then I'm back on it. And it's, you know. Yeah. There you go. Right. So, yeah, this is, this is recovery. I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're all family here. <laughs> all my life I've been lies my head told me. And just how my eyes, my blue eyes, my blue skies turn to grey. And just for today, I'm gonna learn how to love myself. And just for today, I'm gonna put me before everyone else. Whoa. Cover me recoveries lovely to discover me I found my door and I got the key to my surgery and I locked a brand new me Yeah Oh yeah all of my dreams were unreachable I was drowning in my own tears But you helped me see I was teachable And now I can't face my fears One day at a time I'm gonna make it the habit of a lifetime, and now I'm gonna break it. Whoa, recoveries, lovely to discover me. I found a door and I got the key to my century, and I got a brand new me. One who believes that I can achieve what I want and I'm gonna conquer it all. Whoa, cover me, recoveries, lovely to discover me. I found a door and I got the keys century oh my 
I've had a lot of musicians on here. Your friggin' voice is ridiculous. It is so good. That is so good. I, I absolutely am so excited for you. That was, that was phenomenal. That was, I mean, and you, and you were, I've, I've always been so like, I could do a whole podcast about this. I'm just mad at my higher power that I am not a musician and that I can't write music or anything like that. It's such an outlet. My son's, my son plays guitar and I think that's why I'm so obsessed with musicians and music because it's just something I, I just cannot do right. as much as I try. Like I tried when I was a kid, I tried, I was terrible. I like, Oh my God, I, I just, I can't no rhythm, nothing just can't, but I definitely know how to listen to music and I have a very good ear for someone that, with talent and that I could see why, you know, you got signed to that label and um, it's really amazing. I got to hook you up with, with our friend, Richard Patrick. Do you know the yeah. band? The, the, there's a band Filter, yeah, in the U.S. He played a Nine Inch Nails, a guitar player. He was on our show last week. Oh wow! Yeah, he's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's great. I think you and Richard yeah, would get along. Out. Yeah, because he's in recovery. I'll, I'll send him um, your demo when you get that. Um, so so excited, and I want this just to be the beginning of our friendship. Yeah. Because I think you and I could really like. I I recover out loud. I am not here to bullshit and tell everybody that I'm here with all that like. I have a podcast. I'm a podcast host of a recovery show. That doesn't mean I'm supposed to be perfect because I'm not. And I'm fucking up big time with my program. (laughs) I am, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not behind the alley smoking crack. I'm not doing that, you know, but, um, but it's an honest program. Yeah. 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 I, I, I relapsed last year at the end of the year and I just really haven't been able to get back to where I need to be. Um, and you are an inspiration. Thank so, you. so thank, thank you. you. I want to do some live TikToks. I want to get people involved and I want to spread the word and I want everyone to know that it can be done right here is, is, you know, proof in the pudding. And if, if you're not successful right now, if you're not staying sober, today's a new day. Cause that's how I'm looking at today. I woke up sober today. Absolutely. That's a win. You're yeah. a winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And you are too, honey. Thank you so much for coming on sober exposure. I want to have you on again when the record drops. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll promote the shit out of that. Cause that is really good stuff. Congratulations on your sobriety, your talent and everything. Thank and you. Um, yeah. Good luck over there across the pond. Maybe someday I'll get over there. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Be amazing. Thank you so much. So much. All right. Sober exposure, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. Clock strikes upon the hour and the sun begins to fade. Still enough time to figure out how to chase my blues away. I've done all right up till now. It's the light of day that shows me how and when the night falls. My loneliness calls Oh, the dance with somebody I want to feel the heat with somebody Yeah
everybody who loves me Oh, I want to dance with somebody I want to feel the heat with somebody Yeah, I want to dance with somebody With somebody who loves me I've been in love and lost my senses Spinning through the town Sooner or later fever ends And I wind up feeling down I need a man to take a chance On love that's burned hard enough to last So when the night falls my lonely heart calls Oh, I want to dance with somebody I want to feel the heat with somebody Yeah, I want to dance with somebody With somebody who loves me Oh, I want to dance with somebody I wanna feel the heat with somebody Yeah, I wanna dance with somebody With somebody who loves me Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast.